and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Locke coming up here momentarily, Gordon. Get David's thoughts on opening night as he's getting ready to call the Jazz Blazers game. Again, uh, that tips off at 8. Pre-game begins at 7. And it's kind of odd that we're preparing for a 72-game schedule, Gordon. But nonetheless, it all begins tonight. It does. And, uh, you know, it's one of those deals where last season was interrupted and so strange. And the Jazz course were at the center of that, at least the start of it. And now, uh, you know, we've we've been down the road a ways. It's it's still not solved, and uh, we we begin again. And I think everyone is hopeful that at some point during this season things will get better uh, from from a standpoint of not just the sport itself, but uh, uh, you know, society, the world as a whole. And so, yeah, there's there's all kinds of wonderment about how how these two things, the NBA season and a uh, pandemic, are going to continue to coexist. All right, Locke's conversation with us, brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Group. Out of the zone phone we go. He's the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, our good friend David Locke. What's up, David? How are you guys? Doing great, man. Opening night. Uh, looking forward to tonight's broadcast. Uh, Donovan, Dame, Nurkic, Gobert. Good stuff. CJ. Lock, Boone. A lot of fun. Tim, Ron Alex. Boone. I get a bit, Ron Boone had me looking up all sorts of numbers last night. Like, he always makes fun of me and my numbers. But last night, like, he's like, do you keep finding me this? And How many pick and rolls do Rudy and Donovan run for minutes on the floor together? And how's that changed? And I was like, wow. Like, Ron Boone firing up. Well, look at the effect you've had on him, David. Me on effect I've had on him? Yeah. Talk about the effect he's had. Let's talk about the effect he's had on me. <laughs> Holy smokes. He's made me a better parent. He's made me a better father. He's made me a better employee. He's made me a better friend. He's made me a better person. He's made me more. He's a, oh, he's, oh, my gosh. What has he done for me? One of the luckiest things that's happened in my life is Rob Booth. Jake, do you think he's had an effect on David making him a better guest? On the auto radio show? I don't know. David would have to answer that one. He's being a guest on radio shows, so he doesn't understand why I ever do it. <laughs> well, we so, like it that you do it, David. If I'm taking the Ron Boone lead on it, I would hang up and move on. <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about this uh, version of the Utah Jazz and what we're going to see tonight, David. And Gordon and I have talked a lot about the defense, and I want to ask you specifically about that real quick. You, you know, the, the, a lot of the um, media availabilities and all that, they're talking about a, an increased focus on it and want to improve that. I've heard you talk about it uh, on this show and others. And Derek Favors, I think, will help, of course, because he's a good defender. But where, where do the Jazz get better defensively this year outside of Derek? That's the only spot, really, that Derek Favors plays is that we're better defensively with Faves than Tony Bradley. Uh, Derek's exceptional. 
and that maybe we try to roll a few minutes every night with Saves and Rudy. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but if you can do that for, you know, Faves is playing 14 as a backup center, and you try to get him eight minutes a night at, uh, to get him to 22 and four in each quarter, the second quarter, and or late first quarter and late third quarters with Rudy, like it doesn't sound like very much, but if you actually get into it, like eight minutes is about 20%, right? So, okay, so we're better defensively. In the 14 minutes and another eight minutes, well, okay, now we're certainly better in close to 24 minutes of the night defensively than we were a year ago, and maybe we can make the uptick. We were 11th in the league defensively, and can we get ourselves to top five? Well, if we do that, we're going to be awfully close to being top five on both offense and defense, in which case then we're super good. Um, Championship caliber, actually. Most teams are top five in both have actually gone on to either play in the NBA Finals or or become awfully close, uh, other than maybe Milwaukee the last few years. So, you know, if you can be top five in both, you're, you're awesome. Uh, we'd be the one or two seed. I, I do have some doubt on whether we can ever get back to, you know, the elite number one, number two defense in the league, just because we made four changes a year ago, and all of them were significant offensive improvements, which is why our offense went from being 17th in the league to top ten. And so they all worked, but we, we can't, like, just – we just don't get to go all the way back to the other days. Like, Ricky Rubio's three and a half inches longer than Mike Conley and a better defensive player. Like, okay, like, fine, but Mike Conley's a better basketball player and a better offensive player. Like, Boyan is not a good defensive player. Like, Derek Favors was, but Boyan can shoot, like, the fourth, eighth best, like, off-the-bounce shooter in the league and more like the fourth best catch-and-shoot shooter in the league. Fine. So, great. Like, I'm taking that trade every time. But I don't know that you can take that trade and come back and be elite defensive. David, let me ask you a question that Jake and I were talking about earlier. And, and this applies, uh, the question applies to tonight's game, but it might apply to other games as well. Let's say a star player, in this case, say Damian Lillard, goes off and does what he's capable of doing against the Jazz. Will Donovan Mitchell feel a responsibility to match that performance, or will he just continue to more effectively blend in to whatever it is the Jazz want to do as a team? Really interesting question. Uh, what were your answers? Jake said that he thought that he would blend in. And I, I'm not so sure. I think that Donovan is at a place now where he may feel like, hey, I've got I've to give my team a lift and, uh, and match what this guy over here is doing. Well, let me just explain. Not just blend, uh, not blend in. The Jazz have a lot. Uh, well, let me put it this way. They've got a lot of weapons. There's a lot of shots that need to be taken by other guys, not just Donovan Mitchell. And I think he's going to work his playmaking into other people's good fortune. I think he's going to make a concerted effort to do that. So I'm much more interested in whether Donovan Mitchell wants to guard Damian Lillard once he starts. Yeah. I said that, that's too. What Jake Thank said. you very yeah. much. <laughs> that's what I want to know. If it's personal, then go make it personal and shut him down. That would be your next step as a player. Is he capable of that? Well, that's why he was drafted, if we forget that. But that is like he was drafted because he was going to be an elite defensive player. So I do think he is probably capable of that. He's very long, very strong, an elite athlete, great lateral movement, super body control. Yes, 
Um, if he has to do that, though, then Mike Conley, Joe Ingles, and Boyan Bogdanovich better do some scoring, and Jordan Clarkson better do some scoring. David Locke is with us here on uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Where are you projecting the Jazz in the West this year, David? I don't know. How's that? <laughs> Very specific. I, yeah. ran, I mean, I ran my numbers, and Phoenix came out as the number one offense in the West, and Utah came out number two, which like was a little surprising. And Phoenix came out number one by a lot. I almost thought I made a mistake, but I don't think so. Um and Dallas didn't come out very well. They were number one last year, so that was weird. But Steph Curry's really, really good. They did move away from him. Um, so, you know, if we can be ninth defensively, so we were 11th last year, if we can be ninth because of Derek, or eighth because of Derek, and then we're top five offensively, then we're making a run for the two seed. David, as I was looking back over Boyan Bogdanovich's performances, he really has gotten better every year he's been in the league. Do you expect him to make another jump off his 20, what was it, 20.2 average this last year as far as scoring goes? So there are three players in the NBA that have increased their scoring for six straight years. And one of them is Boyan Bogdanovich, the other is Spencer Dinwiddie, and now I actually can't remember the third. Um, that's incredible to increase your scoring for six straight years. Like it seems almost impossible. Um, so I think seven is impossible. Like, I don't know how he, like, I guess, you know, if he, what he averaged 20 point, like three or something. So yeah. if he averages 20.7, then he'll, he'll do it. But I, I can't imagine he averages much more than he averaged last year. But, but. Let's clarify something. He took seven threes a game last year. I think Quinn wants him to take ten this year. <laughs> so, you know, if he's adding three threes or tenths and making one of them, maybe. Maybe he goes to 21 or 22. If I'm not mistaken, David, I think his jump from the previous high the year before was 18 a game. So he did make a, a two-point jump when he came to the Jazz. That's a lot. Doesn't seem like it, but a two-point jump for a player is a lot. I'll bet you, like you'd have to go find like players that are in their sixth year of their career that jump like two points. Not that common. Like Dame just did it. Dame went to thirty last year. So, David, uh, the Jazz averaged 35 three-point attempts last year during the regular season. That number went up in the bubble. Uh, and if preseason is in any indication, that's going up a lot. What What do you think the range is in three-point attempts per game with the Jazz? I would like them to be at, would they take 81 or 82 shots last year? Well, I'd have to look it up. That sounds right. So I would like their shot distribution to be 37, 17, 45. 37% of their shots at the rim, 45% of their shots as threes. I guess that would be 18 shots as mid-range or twos. Get rid of the floater. Get rid of the long two. Get to the rack and shoot the three. David, what are you expecting out of huge, Mike Conley? I'm a huge believer in a statistic, particularly on the defensive end, 
which is what can be called either maybe the best is location-effective field goal percentage. In other words, if an average players took the shots based on where you made them shoot from, what would their percentage be? It's, it's the number one indicator of a good defense. We were number one in the league in it last year. We were not very good at it offensively last year. I would like to see us get better at that offense. There was a lot made of Mike Conley and his adjustments uh, from going from being a Grizzly to a Jazz man. Uh, is that uh, are you? Do you subscribe uh, the, to that? Uh, is there room for him to make a, a fairly substantial jump this year? So I a hundred percent subscribe to it. The irony is, I had all these conversations with Mike last year about, and all of our conversations were couched at the time as these positives. He's never done this. He's never done that. He's never done this. He's never done that. He's never had this. He's never had that. And we couched every one of them as a positive. But in retrospect, I like we should like it should have dawned on me like, wow, there are a lot of things different. He had his lowest usage rate since 2012, 2013. He had his lowest time of possession that he's ever had in his career. This was a dramatic change for him. Here's a good little trivia question for you. Mike Conley scored, I believe, 20 or more points 13 times last year. How many of them were in the bubble? Oh, it's got to be most of them, right? Seven of the 13 happened in the 15 games in Orlando. Because he was really good down there. And he didn't even play in 15 games. He only probably played in 13. And then if you actually look at it, a lot of them came in February, too. So if you look at Mike, if you go take the first stretch of the season out of Mike's numbers, which fine, that's cherry picking, I got it. But just understand that it was all different. Um, and you actually take, you know, start wherever you want, kind of after the first ten games. His numbers are really good. Like I think they're about seventeen points a game and forty-four percent shooting and forty percent from three, and like it's exactly what you thought you were acquiring. So let's see what we can do. David, we haven't had you specifically on this show talking about uh, Rudy's extension, so I want to make sure that uh, our audience gets your thoughts on that because, you know, this is franchise, life-changing money and commitment uh, that they made to, uh, obviously, Donovan earlier, but well, not to Rudy. Getting, he, was getting gen- he was getting generationally life-changing money no matter what happened. Right, but it was it was a it's a franchise changing moment for the Utah Jazz that we know they're going to be good now for four or five more years. It's an incredible concept because being good, despite what probably Jazz fans think, is incredibly difficult in this league. And once you're bad, it's even more difficult. Like, almost impossible. So, yes, there's an argument that we overpaid for Rudy. Great. I'm glad we did. Because now we know we're going to be good. And being good begets being good. And that is a mammoth, mammoth level of importance to the organization. I was really nervous because I could reasonably see where the organization was willing to pay Rudy that kind of money. And I could reasonably see where Rudy got offended by that. And I could reasonably see where Rudy left. And I could reasonably see us become really bad really fast after that. 
Um, so I was, I was, I, I, I thought everyone. Sometimes I think negotiations are hard when everyone's right. I kind of have a theory in life that if someone's wrong, you can kind of get a negotiation done because they kind of know they're wrong. But when everyone's right, sometimes is the when it's the hardest to get a deal done. And the Jazz were probably right that it wasn't he worth a supermax, or that they didn't want to pay him supermax. They probably were right with whatever their starting offers were that were not where they finished. And Rudy's people were right, saying, "Great, but I make you good, and I'm the reason why you've been to second round playoffs twice. I'm the only one that's done it both times, along with Joe. And like I, I I'm, I'm your everything." They were right. Um, so I, I was very nervous, um, and I'm really proud. Like I, not like I, like I just think it's a great sign of lack of hubris on everyone's part, including the new ownership. To get that deal done, it's a great sign of where we're heading. David, do you think that uh, this, those signings uh, with Donovan and Rudy uh, put an increased emphasis on the Jazz really being accurate with their drafting over the next four or five years? I mean, they really have to do what they've always done well, which is find those diamonds in the rough that you get for the team because you've got – a lot of money tied up into two players and three in Boyan, four in Joe and 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 Royce. You know, Royce is probably right at his market value, but it's probably a lot when you consider that you have those top players. And there might be a day where you're going to have to move somebody because of the fact that you paid these guys. That's the reality. The luxury tax is really prohibitive and not the greatest business to be in a luxury tax. It's not a sign of bravado to be in a luxury tax. It's actually a little bit of a sign of like. Just kind of, uh, I don't, I don't know what the word is, but it's, it's not bravado. So, um, and it's good for us, frankly, as a small market team, that the luxury tax exists. Tax exists. So, if there's a moment here where the Jazz actually have to make a move for tax purposes, no one's allowed to complain because it's the only reason we have a chance in this league is because there is a luxury tax. So we just have to bite it if the time comes. But yes, because of that, we're going to have to go find the next Royce O'Neal and the next Mia Odian. Get, you know, Mione is going to need to play, and Eliza Hughes is going to need to play, and late first-round draft picks are going to have to play. You need you need to gain some some value out of those players in the process. David Locke is with us. Last thing from me, David, I want to ask you about what's going on with the Rockets. And I don't want to lead you in any particular direction because there are so many juicy tidbits to what's going on inside that franchise. So I'm just going to say, Houston Rockets, go. Well, I'm not even sure I'm caught up on everything. So, like, so there's three stories here, right? So there's the heart. I mean, there's Harden throwing the ball at the rookie and just being a general malcontent, right? Uh That's story one. There's Harden at the strip club, but I guess he wasn't at a strip club. He claims he right? wasn't. He said he was at a, an event supporting a friend, so not a strip club. Okay. Um, I, I need to find more events like James Harden. Yeah, it, it looked uh, like um, there may have been some strip-related uh, uh, activities going on, but not technically, I guess, a strip club. So it's funny because when I go to events, I've never seen that happen. But maybe I don't live the same life. We're going to the wrong oh, events, pre- brother. I, know. <laughs> I need to find different events. Um, I'm a 50-year-old man. I, I'm, I'm like, if I was at that event, I wouldn't know what to do. Um, Order a and, diet coke. Uh, 
What's the John Wall DeMarcus Cousins story? That they both are in the COVID protocol? They went and got a haircut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So wait a sec. I don't know this. I don't know this part of the story. I just thought they might not play tonight. So wait, they went and got a haircut, and then somebody there was positive, or these guys aren't allowed to get haircuts. Um, I think it was a uh, a protocol thing. I want to say I'm bringing up the story now. Was it Martin? He was somewhat under. Yes, he was being tested or something, and they were with him. It was a positive. Yeah, Keon, uh, Keon, Kenyon Martin uh, Jr. returned a positive coronavirus test and needed to be tested oh. again for uh, confrontation. I mean, we're some of this, like we learned with Joe this week. We just got to wait and see on a lot of this, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also generally am not going to be one who's blaming people for getting COVID right now. Like, it's pretty rampant. Now, you can do things to not get it, and you can do things that increase your chances to get it, or you can do things to decrease your chances, and I would advise that. But I'm not convinced that I want to be the one who's sitting here, like, ridiculing people who get COVID. Real quick, David, we have literally coming across seconds ago some news about all of this. Um, okay. The NBA has postponed tonight's Rockets Thunder game. Wow. Uh, the night, Wo- night one. Woj adds the Rockets don't have the required eight available players. And then uh, uh, the NBA release adds additionally, James Harden is unavailable due to a violation of health and safety protocols. So. There you go. We've got uh, some wonder, news just coming across. Makes you wonder, David, how often that's going to happen this season. I mean, that 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 is going to be the story of the season. Um, you just you're dealing with. Um, who are you know together? I mean, they're do the the protocols are amazing. I was talking to one of our guys today. So the traveling party is obviously way smaller than it's ever been. They have four buses that now pick them up instead of two, even though they probably have the same amount of people that were on one. And then when they, whatever seat they sit in on that bus is the only seat they're allowed to sit on, on that, in that, while they're in that city. Like there's details here. I think shoot-arounds could be gone, too, by the way. Just keep an eye on this one. Not te- I'm not sure that with the testing protocols that exist right now that teams are going to be able to get shoot-arounds in. Well, that's a somber note to start the season off with, isn't it, guys? Well, the, I mean, the Rockets... The Rockets situation is definitely, like, I'm curious to know if, so Kenyon Martin gets, Kenyon Martin Jr. gets COVID, then are John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins not eligible just because Kenyon Martin Jr. got COVID and they spent time with him? Or, like, are they not eligible because they, I, I don't know, I have to, we got to watch. I mean, the real question is: Is there going to be suddenly a case where a team has six, seven members with it? Right. Um, you know, and realize we were the first possibility of that without knowing what we know today. And taking while we were taking precautions, they weren't to the level that we're taking right now, and we didn't have 
Like, we don't know that we had another person test positive due to Rudy. Like, I'm generally under the thought that Rudy might not have given it to anyone. Well, David, thank you for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. Even a little breaking news in the middle of the interview. That's always nice. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll I'll holler at you here at the arena tonight. That's right. We get to hang out and do our stuff. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I'm going to see I, you a little more. That's good. Oh, yeah. Figure out how we're doing that first segment. Sorry, I've never gotten the answer. Yeah, we, we got 72 regular season games, brother. We'll get it figured out. Okay, talk to you soon, buddy. <laughs> See ya. That's our friend David Locke, uh, radio voice, of course, of the Utah Jazz, and he joins us each and every week here on The Big Show, each and every Wednesday, in fact. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.